Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. What anxiety commands your attention? What fear reduces you to a heap? How about a little raptors with your soup? Jimmy, what is it? I don't know about you, but there's just something about velociraptors in the kitchen that elevate my fear levels. But friends, when you look around, it feels like we are stuck in that same kitchen with vicious beasts threatening to tear us apart and us just kind of hovering helpless around the corner. We live in an incredibly anxious time. Men, women, and children, plagued with fears and worries, fight daily battles in our kitchens and workplaces and schoolrooms across the country. One in eight people struggle with clinical anxiety disorders, while many others operate under a pervasive sense of dread and worry. Fear is real. Anxiety is growing. People are worried. And that was all true before the coronavirus pandemic hit. When March 2020 plunged us into a whole new world, it felt like that moment we just watched in the clip where, you know, like, oh no, there's one velociraptor, and then there's a second one. Bad got worse. A year later, yes, things are starting to settle out. There's maybe some hope, and yet... Anxiety and fears continue to plague us, whether it's the anxiety and fear of a spreading corona variant overwhelming our hospitals, or let's be honest, the fear of sinister conspiracies overthrowing our freedoms. 
fear is raging, friends. Raging. But I want you to hear me clear. As people loved by the God who is love, we can live fearlessly in the middle of an anxious culture. God's love can reshape our experience of fear. Even in the moments when we are trembling, moments when it feels like we are being crushed, even when the raptors are bearing down on us, the generation of Jesus can, in fact, be strangely fearless. We're in week three of Generation Jesus, our series where we're exploring the last two chapters of this letter of 1 John. And it's great to see our identity as Jesus followers emerging and coming to clear focus as we get further in. Last week, we delved into the very essence of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uncovering His identity as a God who is love. And as we get wrapped up in God's identity, our own identities change, which then has a profound effect on how we live and on how we love. Today, we're going to see one of the primary effects that the God who is love has on the people who are loved. I'm so excited about this because When we think of how fearful and anxious we often are, we discover here the very antidote to that fear and anxiety, which is actually the God who is love. Think about it. What would your life be like? Your life, you. What would your life be like if you were strangely fearless. Whether you're thinking about COVID, whether you're thinking about your kids, whether you're thinking about work or politics, whether you're thinking about family dynamics, whether you're thinking about your financial future, what would it be like to face the days ahead deeply secure in God's presence and God's peace? Expand that out. What would it be like for the men, the women, and the children in our community, in our families, in our church, in our neighborhood, to experience God in a way that changed their overwhelming anxiety into embarrassing bravery. What would that look like? What would that be like? Well, let's find out. We're continuing on in 1 John chapter 4, halfway through verse 16, and it begins like this. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is kind of like a major heading for John. We've heard this already. It overlaps with the last passage. It continues to bring it along, this idea that people who live in God and God in them are people who love. It's a theme. But now John moves on to something very specific. Picking up in verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
How is love made complete? Can you follow the thread of thought with me? Follow John's logic? He's continually moving us back and forth so that we come to a clearer understanding of who we are. Listen to how he does this. God lives in us and we in God. And who is God? God is love. Therefore, this is the kick drum that John's been kicking on the whole time, people who live in God, who know God, who follow God, who are in fellowship with God, the God who is love, they love each other. They love those around them. They love sacrificially and wholeheartedly. And what does that love look like? Or more accurately, who does that love look like? Well, just as the definitive expression of the God who is love is revealed in Jesus Christ, his people love others in ways that look like Jesus Christ too. Do you see how John moves from who God is to who we are? God is love in us. We love like him, which makes us look like Jesus. Bringing it all together, we can capture it this way. Because God is love in us, we are like Jesus in the world. Because God is love in us, we are like Jesus in the world. Friends, this is inspiring, empowering, invigorating stuff. This is the mark of generation Jesus, that just as we look at God and see love, the world looks at us and sees Jesus, who is the perfect, untarnished, unblemished, beaming, beautiful picture of God who is love. And we could stay right here today. I mean, this is transforming stuff. This is the very bedrock. Drink it in. Immerse yourself in this. But now John does something that is so gospel, so grace, so Jesus, so utterly unique and life-transforming. There's nothing else like it anywhere else in the world but here in Jesus. He shows us how this love of God really does make us complete mature, whole, and strangely fearless. Verse 18, there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that as we receive your word, you would come by your Holy Spirit and you would enable us, help us to receive your perfect love which drives out fear. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Listen, as I prayerfully prayerfully, uh, studied this passage, I saw four ways that God's perfect love drives out our fear. Four ways. First, God's perfect love drives out our fear of worthlessness by making us his home. God is love. I'm reaching back to the very start here. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Recently, a friend confessed to me that they carry this feeling that when God looks at us, he does so with a bit of disgust on his face. It's as though 
he looks at us and, and God sort of has to hold his nose, you know, as he deals with us. In some ways, I think many of us carry this kind of fear down deep that God might love us. You know, yeah, he's God. He has to. Kind of like mom and dad have to love us too, even when we're brats. Yeah, God might love us, but he doesn't have to like it. He certainly doesn't have to like us. Friends, here's the most wonderful truth of the gospel. The God who is love moves right in and makes us his home. And he's not ashamed to be living in you. He's not ashamed of that. The old George MacDonald metaphor that I've used before about God coming in and doing renovations on your house. Yeah, he's going to do some renovations for sure. But let's get clear. God lives in us because he wants to. He lives in you because he chose to. The God who is love finds you a worthy home. A lovely little unit. And he's getting downright cozy in your space. I mean, the only reason God's doing some renovations is because he wants to make it fit. He wants to make it nice. He wants to make it his. Remember how we need to get centered on who God is as the God who is love and how knowing God as love will transform us? Well, it starts right here. God is love and he's living in you. God is love and he's living in you. And friends, if you will rise each day and remember just that, if you will stop yourself throughout the day and recall to your mind who it is that is living in you and loving every minute of it, if you'll just take a moment here and there to pause, especially during times of stress or anxiety, and just say out loud, hey God, you're glad to be with me now? Wink, wink, you know? Just remind yourself that He is in you. It'll impact your whole way of thinking. It'll change your very understanding of yourself, your identity, your self-worth, your way of seeing you. Because God's got a home in you. God's got a home. I feel like that could be a song. Yeah. Try try this. God's got a home in you. God's got a home in you. You know that song? I know, I'm ripping it off. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old pal said, that God's got a home in you. Yeah, God's got a home in you. God's perfect love drives out our fear of worthlessness by making us his home. Second, God's perfect love drives out our fear of insignificance by making us like Jesus. We already heard it. In this world, we are like Jesus. On top of feeling unworthy of God's care and love, we can carry a fear in our lives that we don't have any meaning or purpose. 
that our lives don't have significance, that we are living lives of quiet desperation. And so as a result, we drive out those fears by, well, actually, distractions. We drown them with hobbies or work or alcohol or maybe just throwing ourselves into the raising of kids or even the doing of religious activities, anything we can do to sort of soften or numb that sense of anxiety we carry that maybe our lives don't count. But all that changes when the God who is love makes us into a people like Jesus. Because now our lives take on a significance that outstrips anything the world can offer. With God inside of us, God's very presence of love infuses our work, our family life, our activity, our recreation. We are walking, talking Jesus people. Even the smallest things we do from changing a diaper to measuring a board to driving a senior to clearing off the table after supper. It all takes on a power previously undreamt of. Our very lives in the world are lived now like Jesus where even the way that we work and sleep and eat and play, the way that we serve and speak and think is infused with the person of Jesus Christ. From caring for the earth to changing an old tire, we are like Jesus. And that gives us significance. Our lives matter. We've got the highest purpose of all now. God's perfect love drives out our fear of insignificance by making us like Jesus. Which means, I think, that we're freed up to love now without reservation, without hesitancy, That God's perfect love drives out our fear. The fear that often holds us back from acting, holds us back from speaking, holds us back from loving, holds us back from pursuing the very life that God has for us. Benjamin Mee lost his wife. And while deeply grieving his loss, he continued to raise his kids. And just like any grieving single dad should do, Benjamin bought a zoo. An old zoo, a rundown zoo. In the movie, We Bought a Zoo, Benjamin then leads his kids while restoring this zoo to overcome their fears in life. And he does so by telling them the story of the love that he shared with their mother. A love that only began when he had to overcome his fear with, as he put it, 20 seconds of insane courage. What happened with you and Lily? I don't know. I guess I didn't listen to something she told me or something. I mean, I liked her. It's like you embarrass yourself if you say something. And you embarrass yourself if you don't. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Ladies first, where are we going? Now hang on, so, okay. Stop, she was right there. This is the moment where both of you became a possibility. I love that you're telling stories again. 
This is the story before the story. This is where you and you begin. Because this is where I met your mom. She was sitting right there in that chair. Hang on. Hey, hey, so I was walking by and I saw, and I literally stopped like this, just stopped and went, oh my God, that is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my entire life. But I've never done anything like this. I'd never gone and talked to a total stranger before, but she was right there. And so I thought to myself, 20 seconds, right? Go. Now I'm in the restaurant, and I'm terrified, thinking about leaving. I can actually touch her. She's right there. She still hasn't seen me, and I still have 15 seconds of courage left. I'm going for it. Bravery. Here's what I said. I said, excuse me. That is such a touching moment. It's a great story, great movie, highly recommended. But here's what I want you to see. God's love, his insanely courageous, embarrassingly brave love casts out, drives out our fear and helps us become embarrassingly brave, insanely courageous, strangely fearless. Even in the ways that we put ourselves out there, the ways that we love each other. We realize that because God loves us and lives in us, because he's made us to look like Jesus, we've really got nothing we could possibly lose by loving fearlessly. God with us, like Benjamin with his son, promises us that if we will seize that 20 seconds of insane bravery, something good will come of it. Or can I say it? Something God will come of it. Loving fearlessly is the essence of living significantly because it's when we are loving others fearlessly that we are most like our God. Who needs you to be embarrassingly brave this week? 
Who in your life needs you to be insanely courageous? Who needs you to let God's perfect love drive out your fear of insignificance so that you can really love? The third way that God's perfect love drives out our fear is that he drives out our fear of condemnation by forgiving us through Jesus. You've already heard it, but let me remind you two parts of what we've already read. Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment and perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So much of our daily fear has to do with this false sense that we are going to get it in the side of the head if we do something wrong. In fact, many of the reasons we fail to love others stems from our fear that not only will we be rejected, but our fear of worthlessness or our fear of insignificance, but also comes from the fear that God is actually going to punish us if we screw up. And that's why we've got to get God's grace down deep inside of us. That our way of loving becomes strangely fearless. Friends, children of God, people who are like Jesus, judgment on your sin has already been rendered in Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross as the perfect expression of God's fearless love for you, You do not look forward to judgment. You look back to it. And that is a crucial difference. Whenever we feel this false fear that punishment is coming, condemnation will fall, judgment is sure, this false notion that God is just raising His hand to strike us down if we don't act right, we've got to look that lie in the face and say, No, it's not true. We've got to point back to the cross of Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus, you already served my sentence. Thank you, Jesus, you already paid my debt. Thank you, Jesus, you already took our judgment and we are free. I am free. Fear has to do with punishment, John says. And friends, all the punishment that you and I would have ever received for sin, has already been taken away by Jesus Christ. The only judgment we look forward to (laughs) is when God the Father runs up to us and shouts, Whoa! Yes! You're finally here! Yeah! That's the kind of judgment we can look forward to. Why? Because all sin has been covered by Jesus Christ. As we read in Romans 8, 1, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? None. Zip. Nada. It's gone. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And oh, how I wish we could grasp this. Get it. Hold it because so much of our fearful, anxious living is rooted in this lie that God is just barely holding himself back from giving you the what for. That God, who frankly doesn't think much of you anyway, is ready to whip you up good and toss you out. 
I cannot tell you how many times I have that conversation with people. That is not true. That is a lie. God, in His perfect love, has given Himself over to you fully, completely, and without reservation. God, in His perfect love, has taken all of sin's punishment and shame and condemnation upon His own back in Jesus Christ. God, in His perfect love, has come to live inside of you by His Holy Spirit. There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. God's got a home in you. I've already said that. I've already sung that. But remember this. When God moves in, there is one particular roommate that God absolutely hates. (laughs) That roommate has to go. That's the guy named Fear. He's always leaving crap in the fridge. He never cleans up his mess, and he stinks. That guy. When God moves in, Fear moves out. And God goes into his room and takes all of his stuff and he throws it out on the lawn. Fear evicted. So what's the fear that's still lurking in your house? What's the fear that God needs to toss out? Lord Jesus, I pray for those today in particular who are holding on to fear, who are living in fear, who carry that and live under it. In your perfect love, Father, would you come in and would you drive out the fear from their lives? Eviction notices served. Make us, Lord, perfect in your love and fearless as a result. We pray this in your name, knowing it's your will. Friends, there is only one antidote to the fear we have of God's punishment and God's condemnation, and that is the perfect love of God in Christ. Let Him love you into fearlessness. Are you with me so far? God's perfect love drives out our fear of worthlessness, drives out our fear of insignificance, drives out our fear of punishment. But there's one more very practical way that God's perfect love makes us strangely fearless. God's perfect love drives out our fear of uncertainty by overshadowing us with His loving presence now. This is where Generation Jesus really shines. Because it's in these times of crippling anxiety, of gripping fear, of tremendous uncertainty that the strangely fearless people of God stand out. How does God's love make a difference when we face times of incredible uncertainty? Well, I couldn't think of a better person to ask than Lindsay Adset. Well, Lindsay, thanks for joining me today for this interview. And let me ask you, when did fear and anxiety show up in your life? Well, um, I should start by kind of giving you an idea of what type of person I had been growing up. Um, In my family, I was kind of known as um, maybe the overly naive, gullible, 
one that didn't really worry about anything and didn't really have any hesitations. And I thought of a little story popped in my mind when you asked me that. Um, and it was, uh, I grew up living out in the country on an acreage and we lived near this spot on the highway where people would often break down and they'd come to our house to use the phone. And um, I remember my mom reminding me of this story where this late at night this big guy had come to the door in big heavy work boots and he said he'd broken down and he needed to use the phone and she overheard me saying well my dad's away in nova scotia and my mom's in the shower but you can come on in and use the phone and she told me later that she was hiding behind the door with a hairbrush um and that's just an example of i just didn't really worry about anything and i just um kind of was happy-go-lucky Mm -hmm. through through most things never anxious just kind of everything was good right and um yeah so that kind of describes me or according to my family um so in 2018 um i uh we found a lump that turned into cancer um even then I kind of minimized it and I, um, I delayed some tests because we were going away on a family road trip. So wasn't, wasn't worried at all. Um, and just kind of thought it was nothing. Um, so in the fall of 2018, I was, um, once I had gone for a test, things escalated really quickly. And, um, within 24 hours I was diagnosed with cancer and I had, um, it was in a few different areas and it was uh, a few different tumors. So it was um, pretty significant. I remember, um, so when you ask, when did fear come into my life? It was, I remember exactly sitting in the doctor's office when the news was delivered. And um, I remember my ears ringing. I remember just my whole world kind of closing in and, um, and that sort of started the, uh, the next couple years of being very fearful. And um, I would say, I mean, to summarize, there were many tests, many uncertainties. We didn't know how severe things were. Um, and I experienced anxiety that I had never even come close to before that so things that I would never worry about like a headache and I thought that um, maybe cancer had metastasized to my brain or you know any little thing I was then um, hyper aware of and started worrying about things that I hadn't considered like not being around later on in life um, not being around for my kids um, my husband having to remarry and all these things that just hadn't even been on my radar one bit so um yeah and I guess also um you know having difficulty sleeping um and it spilled into other things like I would wake up with my mind racing and that was not me at all and just worrying about um little things that hadn't so I'd say overall a heightened sense of anxiety in in kind of all areas of, of my life Oh. at that point yeah so I, I can think of so many people that would be resonating with you right now either because of their own 
experience or family experience and 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 knowing that you went from someone who didn't really wasn't weren't characterized by anxiety to having this experience so related particular to today's topic i'd love to hear how has an understanding of god's love for you you your family how has that helped you in this journey of cancer but particularly the fear the anxiety. Okay. Um, I would say that uh, it took being in my lowest state hmm. uh, um, in, in my whole life to really make me lean heavily into God. And it was out of desperation. I mean, I've, um, I think I've always been fairly close with God, but it was out of um, just um, a need or, or feeling um, like I was grasping at straws and crying out to him just, you know, to, to heal me, to bring me peace, to um, keep me from feeling like I'm going crazy. Um, so I would say that that was when his presence became so significant to me um throughout when i look back on the last two years god orchestrated people at all these different stages for what i needed and of course i didn't see it in the moment but looking back on it now i think about little things that people said to me or did for me that was was just what i needed at that time um an example of that is I remember when I was going in for uh, surgery, a big 11-hour uh, surgery and terrified. And um, I had this little tiny um, anesthesiologist, this little East Indian woman that um, she was just saying, I'm going to be with you for the whole day. I'm going to be right here. And she actually crawled up onto my <laughs> stretcher and kind of wrapped her arms around me and something like that, that I think like that was what I needed right in that moment, you know, um, other things like, um, looking at how I married someone that is a mental health therapist that is trained in dealing with anxiety and fear and managing that. And so to have Mike right there, in moments of complete terror and just very practically being able to walk through um, these moments with me and reminding me to breathe and reminding me to distract myself and reminding me to um, how you very concrete things of how you get through these moments. And so um, I remember this, I'd never had an anxiety or panic attack before. I didn't even really understand what they were or realize the significance when people would tell me about that. But I remember one moment in Kelowna when we were waiting to see the specialist and they had found um, on a bone scan, they'd found a little mark on one of my ribs. And we were terrified that um, that also meant that it had spread to my bones, which could be a pretty grim diagnosis. And I remember waiting and waiting and waiting for the results of this and feeling um, the room closing in, feeling um, 
just my breathing quicken and all these things that the state that I had never experienced before and um, having to just leave the room with Mike and to calm, calm down and breathe through it and pray and, um, and then kind of ride that out. And those were moments where I felt God just um, smothering me in his peace. And it was, it's moments like that, that now when I hear about people that struggle with anxiety and panic ongoing, that I just um, feel so much more empathy towards them because of what I experienced in that moment. Um, so there was a verse, uh, I mean, several that I wrote down, but this one in particular that I rehearsed and repeated it over and over again when I was feeling quite anxious. And it's from Philippians. This is the message version. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And I actually, I wrote that on a little piece of paper and I put it on the visor of my car because my dad used to do that when he was trying to memorize a verse and I would, any chance I got, I would flip it down and I would say it out loud and then I'd flip it up and I'd try and say it, um, just rehearse it and it would calm me down. So that was one in particular that um, I've passed on to a, a couple of friends as well. So. Love that. Oh, you said two things. I just want to, you said two things I want to highlight here. That is your experience of God's love was tangibly uh, felt through the actions and presence of other people. Mm -hmm. I think that just, we want to hear that. Yeah. And then second, the role that God's word and keeping that forefront in your mind uh, yeah. had in reminding you of, what, of what, what's true about about God and about his love and his care for you. So just as we, I, there's so much more to say. We know that, yeah. Linz, and I thank you for sharing this much today. Um, how, well, how would you encourage those of us who might be really struggling with uncertainty, with, it could be a health crisis, it could be what's going on just in the broader, broader culture, but how would you encourage us today, Linz? Um, well, uh, I would one of the things that really helped me was um, journaling my fears. And that's something that I've never done before, but um, just getting it out on paper. And that seemed to be a good release for me and to be able to look back and then to see how God was working even in those moments. So I think that that has been a very practical um, thing for me. Uh, rehearsing scripture, like I said, um, there's definitely been a shift in my perspective going through this. And so that's how I, one thing I want to encourage people is that walking through this has, um, forced me to, to see things differently. And by that, I mean, um, I'm definitely not as focused on little things, um, really prioritizing where I put my time and um, where I put my focus and um, 
having greater compassion for people that have been anxious and fearful and realizing that going through something like this has opened doors to um, meeting people that I never would have before. So I guess seeing it uh, a fearful situation as, as being God working through me. And I know that um, this has changed me in my ability to relate to other people that are going through that. Um, I would say that I don't want to pretend that, um, that this is all figured out now. And something when I was thinking about this is I have been, um, I have been angry about not being as easygoing as I used to be. And I guess, um, feeling a little bit robbed of that now that, um, that, now going through life, I'm, I'm always a little bit worried about um, my health and reoccurrences. And um, I think that I really, um, for a while, I was really focused on how I just wanted to go back to being the carefree person that I was. But I'm sorting through that and realizing that, um, that God is, is using me through this. And um, that facing fear with him has been part of, of my, my life journey. Well, yeah. Well, thank you, Lindsay. And obviously, we are thrilled as your church, as your friends, um, that you have come through this. And we celebrate that with you and with your family. And, um, and you need to know, we... We see you as incredibly brave and, and we celebrate um, all that God has done through you and in you and, uh, and the many years ahead. So thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing with us. The perfectly loved generation of Jesus is strangely fearless. The God who is love makes us people like Jesus and there is nobody ever who loved more fearlessly than Jesus loves his world, than Jesus loves us, than Jesus loves you. No one. The strangely fearless love of Jesus makes us the strangely fearless people of God who will embrace the 20 seconds of insane courage to love the world like Jesus loves us. Love in fear out. Yes, there might be raptors in the kitchen. But let's go out there and be embarrassingly brave anyway. I promise you, something good will come of it. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.